<clears throat> All right, three, two, one. Hey, everyone, welcome back to Soccer Pilgrim. I'm your host, Jason Jisoo Kim, and it's been a while since I've uh, posted or recorded a, an episode. It's been, I think, three or four months. And uh, to all those who've been listening, I apologize for delaying or not putting up an episode sooner. And I also apologize if there's any background noise because there is a metro or subway coming past the apartment I'm staying at. So for those who are wondering, right now I am in London, England. And uh, it's kind of unreal that I'm here, especially in a post-pandemic, well, not post-pandemic, but like in a pandemic world. Um, and from where I'm, where I'm at in London is east of uh, the city of London, which is sort of like that financial district with all the skyscrapers and, su- and such. And you'll hear background noise because I'm on the balcony just staring at an incredible view of the city. And yeah, so it's been a while since I last posted an episode, and I guess it's a good time. This would be a very good time to start restart the, not restart the podcast, but do an episode. And I guess I should explain myself as to why I haven't posted it or posted an episode in a while. And long story short, I was honestly kind of enjoying my summer. I've been doing a lot. I've uh, my two of my friends, two of my good friends, started a soccer league, and I just been helping out with them. And I've been very busy at the restaurant that my family owns, and it's taking up a lot of my time. And during that period, I was questioning, how much do I actually love to podcast? And now that I'm recording again, I realize I really, really miss doing this. And even before recording this, it's been bothering me that I haven't come around to doing a podcast. It's actually been bumming me out. But now I'm recording this again on my phone with no mic because, you know, I'm traveling and I like to travel as light as possible. And it just feels great. I'm staring at an incredible view of, I guess, what North Americans would call downtown London. <laughs> and it just feels right to be here, especially in the world of football. This is, this is where you want to be. It's the mecca of football. And the more I stare at the city, the more I think about the history of, of England and the history of London. I don't know too much about the history of London, but I can tell you the history of England a little bit. At least it's modern history. And it's somewhat reflective of, I guess, England's position as a global empire and now the Premier League being the number one league in the world. There's sort of weird parallels. And these are late night thoughts. It's 1 a.m. I'm a, I'm a little jet lagged. I'm actually exhausted. I should go to bed, but my mind just doesn't stop racing. And I thought, why not record a podcast right now? But let me describe where I'm at. Like I said, I'm just east of the city of London. City of London being the financial district, once again. I forget what neighborhood I'm in. Oh, right. I'm in uh, Tower Hill. I'm like a 10, 15-minute walk from the Tower of London where they've imprisoned a ton of people there <laughs> in, the, in the ancient times, I suppose. And, and when I look at the city and look at all the skyscrapers that are there and that are being built up right now, it's, it's kind of crazy that this is the city that was the global top boy where they've colonized they have they were the largest empire in the world and you know in today's discourse of politics and and social and socioeconomics any yeah socioeconomics it's it's kind of wild that this one city you know ran the world and a lot of positive a lot of positivity came out of it and a lot more negativity came out of it as well Someone might ask, what's a positivity? Well, you could talk about science and 
certain enlightenment ideas of emancipation and so forth. But it's funny how they talk how ideas of English emancipation and English secularism came out of here while they were imposing their religion on the rest of the world and also, you know, benefiting from slave trade early on. So how does this relate to football? <laughs> um, you know, f- football leagues that earn the number one position don't hold on to it forever. You know, when I was growing up, you know, when I was growing up watching football in the early, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, the Italian league was number one up until 2008. No, 2006, 2008 is when Serie A or the Italian league lost its footing as the number one league in the world and probably dropped to number fifth, like overnight. A lot of it had to do with corruption and fans starting to realize that, that the clubs that they supported it and the hard-fought games that they've won and the long campaigns of winning a title, they've come to realize that it means nothing when everything has been somewhat fixed by football elites who just wanted more money and more prestige. And, and it's funny because that's perhaps how England lost its step as a global superpower. Well, I mean, two global world wars had beaten up England and, lost its, and that's how it lost its position as a global hegemon. And the city uh, sort of imploded and post-2008 is when there was sort of a power vacuum of who could claim to be the best league in the world. And that's when the Spanish league stepped up, winning two Euros and one World Cup back-to-back and cementing that La Liga was the greatest league in the world, that technical football and technical football and just, you know, being comfortable in tight spaces and just being very tidy and neat with your game was the way to go. But then in 2012, that's when things started changing. When, for whatever reason, oh no, 2014 is when it really all changed. When the Spanish league, the Spanish national team, couldn't even get out of the group stage with World Cup. And then, sort of, I guess we could all argue that at that point in 2014 is when Spain sort of lost its step as the number one league in the world and dropped to number two. And this is when England, <clears throat> this is when England came back number one, being, you know, the best league in the world. The best money, the best entertainment, the best stars, and also just the idea of, I guess, football coming home, <clears throat> where Arsenal and Chelsea, Arsenal dipped, Chelsea rose, Tottenham rose, West Ham's on the rise right now, Fulham had its moments, but yeah, it's no, not the best. Crystal Palace still hanging on in there, and still being one of the best league, or one of the best clubs in London. Well, I mean, there's so many clubs in London, it's. I guess we could argue that the best clubs in London are Crystal Palace, West Ham, Arsenal, Tottenham, and West... And uh, Yeah, I think that's it. Wait, West Ham, Crystal Palace, Tottenham, Arsenal, and Chelsea. Yeah, those five. So this might sound like late night rambling, but this is my first day in London. And let me kind of tell you how I got to this point. You know, I flew out of Montreal at 10 p.m. with three other friends, and we were all so excited to be here. One of my friends, Kirabel, the guy who helped me start this podcast, who inspired me to start this podcast, is not a football fan. Whereas Greg and Eric, the two other friends that are with us, they're huge football fans. And every time we talk about soccer, Kirabel just rolls his eyes and be like, all right, you lost me. <laughs> but uh, one of the biggest highlights that was going to be one of the biggest highlights was we got tickets to an Arsenal game playing Everton at, at the Emirates. But now it's September 11. Oh, wow, it's September 11 today. It's now it's September 11 and a few days ago, maybe September 8th. Yeah, September 8th or September 7th is when Queen Elizabeth II passed away. 
it's kind of weird to think about that. The one, the one person who's been consistent throughout all of our lives, the reigning monarch, the longest reigning monarch of, in English history, passed away. And as a result, all the, all the Premier League games have been postponed. So our tickets to Arsenal have been postponed. So we won't be able to see Arsenal technically on September 11th playing Everton. And Greg, who's a huge Arsenal fan, who's been on the podcast on the Arsenal season, is incredibly bummed out, and I don't blame him. But, you know, it's, uh, I guess we can, I guess the country should find a time to mourn for the Queen. But it's kind of weird because they haven't canceled, they haven't canceled rugby nor cricket, but they've canceled Premier League, they canceled football, which doesn't entirely surprise me because football is a working class sport. And the English working class or the British working class from England, Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland, they don't really care about the monarch. Or some of them feel like that England, modern England, shouldn't have a constitutional monarchy. That they should move forward as a true and pure democracy without any monarch. Granted, the king or queen has no power in political decisions. However, they could influence it a little bit by you know holding private meetings with the prime minister so there is still somewhat of a say. I don't want to go into the checks and balances of government of how England works. But that being said, it's kind of interesting how they postpone only football because knowing that the fans would, uh, you know, if they were to do a tribute to the Queen, they would know that, the, you know, a good amount of fans would probably boo or be disrespectful in those moments, which, if I'm being honest, doesn't surprise me at all. But now that I'm here in London, it's... Uh, it's a big city. It's incredible. The energy here is insane. And it's old. You, you, you see the age of the city. And then you see these skyscrapers and you see kind of where London's at. They're at the intersection of progress and growth and moving into beyond the future, but beyond modern and into the future while retaining what makes London, London. You know, I'm, I'm in a neighborhood where I'm looking at all the older apartment complexes or flats that are surrounding our flat and it's old. It looks like Top Boy. <laughs> Everything looks like Top Boy. And just by walking through this neighborhood, you know, like a, a 10, 15 minute walk east of, uh, of Tower Hill, the, 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 the metro station, you can tell this is a working class neighborhood. The majority of people I've seen here are, you know, South Asians, Indian, Pakistani, Bangladeshi, and so on. Majority Muslim. But as, I, as we kept walking around the neighborhoods, us four, we see a sprinkle of white people. And perhaps those are signs of gentrification. Who knows? But I mean, which part of town in anywhere in the Western world not going through some sort of gentrification? So why am I talking about all this and not really talking about football? Well, I mean, I'm a firm believer that whatever is happening outside the stadium will influence what happens inside the stadium because that's identity. The local club is... A reflection of the local identity and I guess it's kind of hard to gauge the people who live in this area what's their favorite London club I mean I would guess maybe Arsenal now since they're doing so well perhaps Tottenham maybe West Ham because it's I guess technically East or even Chelsea because you know Chelsea has been so consistent in the last few years and it's like I said it's my second uh, yeah it's my second time in London and um. I feel like I'm just exploring the city as if I've never been here before. You know, taking it all in, seeing the people, eating the food, 
and just understanding how people move. And it's, uh, I don't know, there's a lot to learn. I mean, this is day one. This is only, <laughs> this is only day one. And also, side note, uh, the audio quality may not be the best because I don't have my laptop to edit this podcast. So if it sounds like I'm talking into a phone, because I am, and just imagine yourself as if I left you a, a voicemail or like a verbal diary of my thoughts of the day. And I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep trying to do that throughout my entire trip. And on this trip, I'll be gone in Europe for a month and I'll try to catch as much football as I can or even play pickup soccer wherever I could. But right now in this neighborhood, uh, we're, on this, uh, we're on this street called Christian Street, which is kind of hilarious given the fact that everyone around us is Muslim. <laughs> uh, but there's immediately there's two football pitches. Not really pitches. There's one five-a-side with concrete floors. And this moment we came in at like 11 or even noon, we saw a full five-a-side game among kids happening. And you know, Greg and I, while looking for the keys to the apartment, we kind of took a second to look at the kids play and we're just like, wow, we're really in London. They're playing in a cage and it's quite amazing. And we saw another field, uh, almost a full, full 11 aside field, but it's all concrete. And it's like a multi-purpose uh, field where there's basketball, you could play soccer on it, you could do whatever. It kind of, and it's all caged in. And while we were walking towards dinner, we went to go eat Nando's, which was like, you know, we felt like we had to have Nando's if we're here. It was, um, we saw some kids playing in the cage and it was kind of cool to see because, you know, cage football, there's something special about it. You know, some of the greatest players you ever watched coming out of, let's say, the Netherlands, Germany, Brazil, and wherever, they've all played cage football. That's why the technique is so good. And, you know, it's kind of it's kind of neat to know that one of these kids, if they took it seriously, they could go far and become the next Bukayo Saka or Emil Smith-Rowe or whoever. But given the fact the majority of players here, the majority of kids I watch play are of South Asian descent, I sometimes suspect if the Premier League will ever give them a chance to go pro or even, you know, get into youth academy because there is discrimination towards Asian players. But I hope that changes soon. But yeah, uh, I'm just staring at an incredible sight right now. Of I could see the gherkin, which kind of looks like a bullet. It's amazing. I could see the shard. And I think I see St. Paul's Cathedral. But that could just be, that could just be cranes. <laughs> that could just be cranes building up another skyscraper. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's wild. So our Arsenal game got postponed. We don't know when. Uh, Greg was very distraught upset and disappointed because he wanted to come on this trip because he knew he would have an opportunity to watch Arsenal and leading up to this trip he was so excited and like he just I remember for two weeks every time we saw him he'd be like he'd just be excited he'd be like I, I can't believe I'll be watching Arsenal at the Emirates I guess that will be postponed well it will be postponed and if it happens in January as we're theorizing we're gonna make a weekend trip and come back out here just to watch that game because we still have those tickets but in the meantime we were able to get tickets to a Arsenal Europa game playing PSV Eidenhoven. Uh, it, I'm not going to tell you how much we paid <laughs> it, it, because here's the story. That game happens in September 15. The issue is we, and we land in Amsterdam on September 14. So we get one full day in Amsterdam and on September 15, we wake up, you know, have breakfast, 
head back to the airport, fly back to London, catch an Arsenal game, at, which is, I think, at 8 o'clock or 8.30. Then the game, that means the game will end around 10.30 or 10 o'clock. And from then on, our next flight is at, our next flight's at 6 a.m. the next day. So we need to be at the airport by 3 or 4 a.m., which means right after that game, we're going to head to a bar or a pub, just hang out for two, three hours, and then head to the airport and fly back to Amsterdam. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, kind, it's kind of a wild thing to do, but this is how bad Greg wants to watch Arsenal, and this is how bad Eric and I want to watch Arsenal and experience a British team play football. And also, Arsenal is having an incredible season right now. So far, they've been so impressive. This is not the same Arsenal we've witnessed uh, two, three years ago. As a matter of fact, if you go back and listen to the Arsenal season, the way we talked about Arsenal then and there does not reflect how we're seeing Arsenal right now. Granted, there's probably a few of our guests. I think Ganji, Ganji and Greg, actually all my guests I brought on, Ganji, Greg, David Lee, and Abe, Abraham Yassin, all sort of agreed that this Arsenal team is young and needs time to cook. And now we're seeing a result that looks very promising. And this Arsenal team it looks is very exciting. But yeah, so... I'm kind of jumping all over the place uh, in terms of topics, but I want this to be as authentic and as honest. And like I said, a verbal diary of just whatever comes to mind, I'll just put it out there and put it you know, on this podcast. I won't make it an hour. I'll just keep going, max 30 minutes, big max. But I want to share this moment with whoever's listening. London's expensive. <laughs> That's the first and foremost. London's expensive. And it's starting it's only been a day and it's kind of it's kind of worth it it's an incredible city with incredible energy super multicultural and some of you are asking how is the city like knowing that the queen has just passed is there mourning are people sad and honestly life goes on and that no one seems entirely bummed out it's sort of like an event if anything a very historical event it's all lost on me how big of a historical event this is right now and if you're asking me personally how I feel about the monarchy, I'm pretty apathetic. I, I respect her. I respect what she's done. But at the same time, I, just, I think monarchies are somewhat of an outdated system. And I don't understand why we need them. I don't understand why Canada hangs on to the British monarchy. Why can't we just be our own country? But also understand that I grew up in Quebec. So French Canadians or Quebecois people view the monarchy in a very particular light, which isn't entirely positive. You know, in Canada, we have Queen Victoria Day or just Victoria Day, which historically in Canada, you sell, that day is to celebrate the British monarchy. But in Quebec, they changed that name to the Day of the Patriot, which is to commemorate all the French Canadians who fought against British imperialism and ultimately lost the Plains of Abraham. But I digress. How does that relate to football? <laughs> um, it's funny because we talk about this club, Arsenal, whose history is about people who work at the foundry building cannons and those cannons were used to conquer the world. And here we are watching a, a club whose roots is intrinsically tied to British empire. Hmm. Now I say it like that's kind of, it's kind of interesting, but anyway, I think it's interesting. I love history. So, you know, it's, it is what it is now. And, and yeah, if you're ever in London, I've only been here a day and, you know, I've been here before, but it's been years since I've last been, uh, just take a moment. If ever you land in London in the morning and you settle in, drop all your stuff, 
and maybe take a one or two hour nap just to kind of help you fight the hang uh, hangover, <laughs> help you fight the jet lag. Just walk around, just walk around, take it all in, breathe the air, drink the beer, eat the food, talk to the locals, and try to understand what London's like from a local's perspective. And it's only been a day, so I can't really tell you how a local views London. But from what I'm seeing, it's an absolute playground. The city is an absolute playground. I think that's why most Montrealers love Europe and Southeast Asia because they just feel like playgrounds. Like you could do whatever you want, and, and there's so much to see, so much to eat, and so much to explore. And perhaps in that process, you learn something about yourself and you change as a person. That's a beautiful thing about traveling is you could stay in your hotel and just go to the do all the tourist traps, which is fine, and do and go to all the hot restaurants. But I really encourage all of you just to take a moment and just walk around and try to blend in and try to understand what it means to be a Londoner. Do I know what that means? Absolutely not. I do not know what it means to be from London. But I'm hoping in this trip that maybe we'll meet locals. Maybe we won't, and that's fine. But traveling is about getting out of your comfort zone and just doing something different. To the hardcore travelers who might listen to this, you might be saying, I mean, how difficult is it to travel through London? It's not difficult at all. But I don't take it for granted that this is still a very foreign city to me. It's very different. That the English is different. Even the French spoken here is different. The majority of Asian people that live here are different. Just people move different. If anything, it, there seems to be a similarity in New York City with that hustle mentality of just like work hard, don't stop, keep the momentum, get what's yours and trying to make a profit so that perhaps you can get your family out of East London and move them into a nice place in West London. But yeah, that's a story of every city really. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it's incredible, man. You know, we were at Whitechapel just walking around. We were at the Beggar's, Beggar's Pub? Is that what it's called? I think it's called the Beggar's Pub where... I don't know, something famous happened there, some famous gangster of some sort. Uh, Eric was explaining the history because he looked it up, but I, I kind of forgot. That's, I feel like that's a horrible thing that a, a tour guide would ever tell you. <laughs> I'm not a tour guide. I'm just, I'm just a curious guy. But yeah, um, so King Charles is now king. King Charles is now king. <laughs> but yeah, um, it's odd, man. There's a lot of brick. And there's a lot of brick in this city. But yeah, I think that's it. I don't think I have anything else to add. I know I do better if someone asks me a question and then I can think on it. But this is my initial impression of London right now. Eric will still have his Arsenal game. And right now I'm alone back at the Airbnb because I'm exhausted. Whereas the three other guys just went out to a club. And I've already been clubbing London once. And I'm not a not really big into clubbing. I'm, it's not my not my thing. I'm boring. What can I tell you? But oh, okay. Now I see St. Peter's Basilica. Oh, cool. Okay, it's over. It's all over there. All right, awesome. But yeah, if I were to recommend anyone, if you want to do something football related here, try to get into a pickup game because I'm gonna. I'm fitting to maybe sneak into a pickup game, even if it's, even if it's with kids. I, I'm down for that. And try to look at the stadiums: Wembley, Stamford Bridge, Emirates, White Hart Lane. Well, or Tottenham Hotspur Stadium now. Uh, the London Stadium where West Ham plays, Selhurst Park where Crystal Palace plays, or even Craven Cottage where, uh, where Fulham play, Fulham, where Fulham plays. But yeah, it's, uh, this is day one of my one-month trip through Europe. 
And I'll be honest with you, I'm a little nervous. One month of traveling through Europe. Granted, 90% of the time I'll be with friends. But there will be a one-week period where I'll be on my own. And I still haven't decided where I want to go. I think I've, I decided on Munich. I'll end up in going to Munich for Oktoberfest and try to catch a Bayern Munich game. But if I see another big game and it's within a three-hour flight max, a three-hour flight from Munich, I'm going to go check it out and see. But for the meantime, I'll try to, I'll do my best to post an episode a day, record something while I travel through London. Or not London, rather, travel through Europe. It's, uh, yeah, it's incredible. I'm just happy to be traveling again somewhere outside of North America. I mean, next time I would like to travel through the States and kind of check out all the MLS franchises and clubs throughout the States or even the CPL clubs throughout Canada. But as of now, I, I don't think I have anything else to add. So, yeah, my, so this is it. This has been Soccer Pilgrim. I'm glad to be doing this again. And I'll, uh, I hope you enjoy this relatively short, quick episode. And I hope you follow me on this journey, this one-month journey through, through London. And yeah, so my name is Jisoo Kim, and this has been Soccer Pilgrim from London. Thank you. This is Soccer Pilgrim. Wow, I forgot how to do outros. (laughs) It's been a while.